Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, folks. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We will visit with Sheriff Susan Hudson in the 12 o'clock hour. We'll talk about her efforts in pulling together law enforcement personnel from across the state to help and facilitate in putting on the greatest uh, show on earth right here. Mardi Gras. We'll talk about that and a number of other issues. In the 11 o'clock hour, it's uh, G. Marion. In the second half of that hour, Courtney Durham Shane joins us, Senior Officer of Conservation Support for Pew Charitable Trust. And we'll talk about Louisiana at the moment, participating in Louisiana Wind Energy Week and what that will be doing for us here in the state of Louisiana. Raphael Goyanechi joins us at 1030. We'll talk about complaints that have been filed against Superintendent Ann Kirkpatrick and the fact that they will be outsourcing an investigation of that, and we'll dig deep into that as to what that is about. We heard a couple of weeks ago about the Tulane Economic Impact Study on Mardi Gras. The numbers, uh, for all intents and purposes, seem to be huge, and here to talk about it is Tony Weiss, Tulane professor. Schloss, Senior Professor of Practice, Executive Director of Classroom Engagement, and Kelly Schultz, Senior VP Communications and PR with New Orleans and Company. Folks, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, Noel, good morning. Good morning, Kelly. So, Tony, um, we've done this study a couple of times, I think three or four times. uh, And uh, let's start with what makes this study any more remarkable as it relates to the numbers? uh, Um, Yes, Um, cut out for me for a moment. But, yeah, so this has been my fourth study. I did the first one in 2009. I um, repeated it in 2011 and then updated that in 2014. So this is the first time since 2014 that I have done this study, and the numbers are significantly greater than they were Um, nine years ago. And a large part of that is a much better data collection, a much more robust um, uh, effort to to collect the data. And in so doing, was able to to recognize significantly greater economic impact for the city. So a, a, a lot of folks, when we hear about the economic impact as it relates, uh, 891 million in total direct and indirect impact, and that it, it accounts for 3.07 percent of GDP. A lot of folks are not really um, familiar with those economic terms. If you could kind of explain that to us. Sure. 
So when we think about economic impact, we're talking about like the just the economic activity in um, in the city. So thinking about the amount of money that's being spent here, we're thinking about the jobs that are created because of Mardi Gras, and not just directly related to Mardi Gras, but then the spin-off effects, the multiplier effects that happen because of the original expenditure in Mardi Gras. So that's coming from within the city, so all the crews and the crew members and the local citizenry spending money on Mardi Gras, and then all the tourists that are coming in. And every one of those dollars spits off additional dollars of economic impact. Um, Example, uh, artisans that earn money um, creating the floats, they go out and they spend those dollars on other um, things within the city. So those dollars just keep rippling through, increasing the the overall economic activity in the city. And then, of course, all of that spending creates um, tax dollars that flow into the city. One of the things that was really struck me is, um, well, let's start this way. Uh, a lot of folks, we think about Mardi Gras as a two-week season, right, and th- those that are attending and everything else. But truly, this is an annual economic and business event, correct? Exactly. And so the moment that Ash Wednesday is over, then the crews are starting again to look towards the next Mardi Gras. And think about all the prep work that has to happen. You go out on a parade, I mean, that they didn't just throw that together. There was a lot of work that had to happen before that got there. In addition, crews have functions throughout the year. It's not just that one time of Mardi Gras. And so that contributes to the economic activity. And tourists come all through the year. And even if it's not Mardi Gras, you see um, tourists in the French Quarter in May wearing beads. I mean, I, I think there's a portion of their spending that you have to account for Mardi Gras and, and and assigned to Mardi Gras because it's what Mardi Gras, the brand that it brings to the city that helps bring tourists all through the year. When we think about a particular economic activity in a vacuum, are there uh, many that have the economic impact that Mardi Gras has? I don't think so because in, like one-time events, like people have been talking about the the economic impact of Sugar Bowl or when, you know, Super Bowl is going to be coming to the city next year. I don't remember. It's going to be coming to the city. That has a huge impact for the city, but it really is a one-time event. And Mardi Gras, as we just said, right, it happens throughout the year, and it helps define the city in a way that some of these other events and creates jobs throughout the year that these one-time events don't create. So Mardi Gras really is unique in that way. You've looked at this a number of times, and I was uh, on, I think it's on page 16 of of your report, no, page 20 of your report, you itemize direct expenditures on Mardi Gras. And I've, you know, being the former sheriff working in law enforcement, I've been around Mardi Gras my entire adult life. 
And I, w I was blown away by these numbers that the crews annually spend over $65 million themselves. Mm -hmm. The crew members spend over $152 million um, themselves. I mean, you're talking about uh, a spend well over uh, $210 million annually uh, by just the crews. And that's a finite number, right? There's, there's not that many of them. And right. When you and think about this, this spend, I mean, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. And I think that goes to just showing how important Mardi Gras is to the, the fabric of this city. So I got those numbers through surveys. Right. I didn't I didn't make them up. I sent out surveys to all of the crew captains and asked them to talk about what they spend money, their expenditures. And I sent, um, asked them to send surveys out to their members. And over 2,000 members responded. Now, a number of those um, responses I couldn't use. You know, you have to kind of clean the data before you can use right. it. But over 1,300 responses were, were usable that I could get some averages from and then help extrapolate up to the total number of, of crews and members to get those that kind of spending. And you have to be careful, right, that there isn't double counting because a crew member pays dues, a crew or the crew organization takes those dues and spends it. And so it's important to to eliminate that double counting, um, which I I believe I did through the data analysis. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's substantial. Yeah, and um, I, I I can tell you I ride in Orpheus and and. There are some years this year uh, being one. I actually made the comment the other day to my wife. It might be cheaper for us to just throw dollars than it is to throw beans. We're kind of getting to that point. And, that, and then you could have a real ripple effect in the economy if you just you know, keep is, it rolling. If yeah, you're just... That's true. I mean, I think people don't recognize the amount of investment that people make when they ride. And again, from a kind of an uh, economist perspective, you have to pay attention to some of those substitution effects. So you could say, all right, you spend, a crew member spends a decent amount of money in order to ride, um, the dues, the parade package, all of that. If, if Mardi Gras didn't exist, where would those dollars go? And I think we have to recognize that some of those dollars would still be spent locally. But because Mardi Gras is, is such an essential part of, of New Orleans and of people's lives, right, just generation after generation, I think that counterfactual doesn't work as well when we think about Mardi Gras. To think about, well, if Mardi Gras didn't exist, what would happen with that spending? Yeah. Um Kelly, uh, uh, Senior VP, Communication and PR with New Orleans and Company, on that same expenditure graph that was provided by Tony in the report, out-of-town visitors lodging, $84.2 million. Out-of-town visitors, non-lodging expenditures, $57 million. Uh, 
and then local citizenry uh, reaching into their pocket just to put on their little show on the parade route, almost eight million dollars. I mean, when you when you these numbers to me are staggering. They they are staggering, and that's why we're so grateful to Professor Weiss and our partners at the uh, mayor's Mardi Gras advisory board for helping bring the, this data to life. And, you know, a lot has happened in our industry since 2014. And so to have these new numbers and to have the, the numbers um, to have increased so much, it really says a lot about what big businesses Mardi Gras is to our city. Um, as Professor Weiss said, it's not just these couple of weeks, it's, it's all year round. And for us, you know, as a destination marketing organization, we're constantly getting questions from members of the local media, but also the, the national and international media. We're working with so many different media outlets right now to tell the story of Mardi Gras and what it means for us. And often their first question is, what is the economic impact? How, exa- how big is this exactly? And so having this new data, um, it, it really is important for us to be able to tell that story and not only is Mardi Gras important economically, but it's hugely important from that brand perspective and the goodwill and the feelings that people get when they come here. You know, I, we often hear of people who are visitors and come to the city to experience Mardi Gras, and then they want to move here or they end up moving here. So there, there's so much value um, economically. There's so much value culturally, and it gives us a great opportunity to tell these stories and, and market the city to get visitors here from around the world. I, and, and I don't mean this as a, as a criticism, but I, I just wanted to throw this out and get the reaction of both uh, you, uh, Tony, as well as Kelly. As I was reading the report, the thing that occurred to me is that we have a, a fairly laissez-faire attitude about how we do everything in and around Mardi Gras, and my my gut tells me, having been on the inside looking out, we don't really treat it like uh, a collection of business entities and business enterprises within a very important economic silo in the overall economy of our area. And um, I mean, we we just I don't see that there's a a huge business approach to this. And as I read the report, I'm like, God. If these numbers are where they are, where we're not really treating it like this really important business entity, I wonder what it could be, where the number could lie. Your thoughts? You know, it's interesting, and and Kelly might have a different take than I do, but is that a criticism, or is that actually one of the things that makes Mardi Gras so impressive and so accessible to everybody, right? That it isn't, it hasn't been commercialized in the way that so many other activities. I'm not really um, talking about commercialization. I'm really just talking about the, the relationship between city government, these, these uh, parades. I mean, so many, you know, you think back over the last 10 years, almost every year, right on the cusp of the Mardi Gras season, we have a conflict. You know, who's going where, what, when, why, how. We, we're we doing inspections on floats. The, uh, the code changes. Uh, they've got an issue going on right now with GFIs on floats, and, and there's not enough GFIs available in the whole metro area in order to support this. And, 
you know, and, and it's these things that, you know, we, we don't meet enough, I don't think, and, and do after action on, on what is required uh, to make things safer and th just things like that. I'm not talking about commercialization because mm -hmm. I agree with you. I, I think um, there's a part of that laissez-faire attitude that actually contributes to the whole feeling and culture of Mardi Gras. Yeah, you know, Neil, one of one of the things that, and you know this very well from your time as sheriff, but one of the stories we try and tell from New Orleans and Company is, yes, Mardi Gras is fun, but it's also big business. And and for those who have not been here before, you know, we, we all know this as locals, but we try and educate outsiders that Mardi Gras is one of the most technically complex things to pull off of any event. <laughs> In the planet. I mean, if you if you think about the fact that there are multiple days, multiple crews, multiple neighborhoods, they're all, you know, individuals or members of these crews who are funding it and making it happen. There's a tremendous amount of work from from first responders and police and our sanitation workers and public works and all of those people. I mean, this is not like a Super Bowl where you have one event for a couple of hours and it's ticketed in one venue. I mean, it really is remarkable if you think about the logistics that it takes to pull this off and do it so well, like New Orleans does it. And, and that's one of the stories that we try and tell because, you know, we like to say that New Orleans is built to host major events better than mm -hmm. any other city. And, and Mardi Gras is really the ultimate example of that. Well, it, it's the thing that's most emblematic of it, and it's been tried and tested. Tony, so the observation about how big could it be? Gosh, I, I, you know, I, I would hate to put any kind of limit on it. I mean, I think, I think you want it as big as it can be, where people still continue to enjoy. And again, I think, you know, it's that greatest free show on earth, right? We want to make sure that it's accessible to everybody and that everybody can come out and have a great time. And, you know, thinking about the need to keep everybody safe and healthy and the city um, cleaned up, right? I mean, the government does, they put in a, a big investment, right? This past year, it was over $10.5 million in, in taxpayers' dollars that went to help stage Mardi Gras. What my report shows then is that in doing that, they get, you know, a $2.64 um, return on every dollar that they spent, which is a huge return on investment. 164%, right? Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, so I, I think that's a, something that we can all kind of get behind and recognize. I don't know, guys. You tell me, how many businesses can you get a 164% return on your investment? Yeah, pretty good. So I, um, you know, I, want, I, I hope that people help continue to understand that, too, that, that, yes, it costs money, but what we make back, right? And we all, and, you know, you can think about the government as kind of all of us. So yeah, for sure. every, every taxpayer dollar, more taxes are flowing in. Yeah. And, and I think it writes the ship on a lot of the rhetoric and dialogue uh, about uh, this investment. And that's what I really enjoyed about the, re the report as, as well. Uh, Tony Weiss, thank you so much for joining us. And Kelly Schultz, you as well. Have a great week. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. All righty. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. And when we return, we'll visit with 
Raphael Goinecci, stay with us. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Raphael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Raffi, the uh, city council the other day passed a resolution uh, hiring outside uh, council to investigate some complaints, and we now know a little bit about the nature of these complaints, right? Right. So what we're finding out is that uh, being the NOPD police chief is a full-body contact sport. So shortly after Anchor Patrick was uh, confirmed as police chief, uh, she's received two complaints from anonymous sources about her uh, allegations of misconduct. One of them involves a uniform complaint. I'm told that the uniform complaint uh, boils down to the fact that uh, she was in uniform and her nameplate was not visible. So NOPD policy requires that an officer in uniform has a visible nameplate. So by the, this complaint was filed uh, shortly after she was uh, appointed as superintendent. Uh, I think there's a strong likelihood that she didn't even have her nameplate at the time. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it is a departmental policy and PIB or internal affairs doesn't have the discretion not to uh, investigate a matter that's brought to them that involves police misconduct. The second matter involves allegations of lying. And what I've learned is the uh, purported lie that Ann Kirkpatrick is, is accused of in this anonymous complaint 
uh, what relates to the fact that when she was going through confirmation, she said that she wasn't going to uh, make any changes in the lineup, transfer people for the first 90 days. She was going to get acquainted uh, with with everything before she made any uh, long-standing uh, personnel decisions about moving people. So shortly after she moved into the fifth floor, uh, uh, allegedly a captain and two other people were transferred out and uh, the anonymous complainant is asserting that Ann Kirkpatrick initiated uh, those transfers. Ann Kirkpatrick virtually knew nobody when she was sworn in as police chief. Deputy chiefs have the authority to transfer people uh, at any time. In fact, with Ann Kirkpatrick being appointed superintendent, that meant that Michelle Woodfork was going to have to be transferred from the superintendent's position to another position. Uh, so Ann Kirkpatrick's statements were taken literally, but they were offered figuratively. Of course, uh, when you're the superintendent or the sheriff, you're going to have to make some some movement. Some people are going to be moved around. And uh, I think what I've been able to learn from talking to people in the department is that uh, Ann Kirkpatrick did not know about these transfers until after they occurred, played no role in initiating the transfers, and they certainly were not uh, initiated in a retaliatory uh, uh, measure uh, by Ann Kirkpatrick. So because the superintendent has to review and approve any discipline uh, rendered by the department, she cannot uh, review a complaint submitted to her by the Public Integrity Division uh, and make a, a decision about what's the appropriate discipline. The matter needs, it's a conflict of interest. It needs to be uh, handled externally of the police department. So the uh, City Council Committee had an agenda item on Monday listing this, and this is why this matter blew up and has become public at, at this point in time. I believe that there is another alternative, rather than spending $15,000 on an outside law firm to look into these two re relatively uh, minor complaints and a third complaint that I don't know anything about it involves a, a second officer, and I don't know the facts of it, but essentially three, uh, it appears to be relatively low-level complaints, and I say that based on what I know about the first two and the fact that the alleged price tag is about $15,000, so it can't be very involved, the, uh, the third complaint. There is an alternative to hiring an outside law firm, and that would be to engage the Office of Inspector General to conduct these investigations. They have done this previously where the OIG's office has investigated complaints involving white shirts within the police department, which are the rank of captain and above. And I think that this would be a, uh, a relatively easy lift, a transition, uh, where there would be a permanent uh, backup system in place for conflicts of interest 
and I think that the IG's office could do this. They've done it previously, and it wouldn't cost the city of New Orleans or taxpayers any additional money. I, I mean, this is, um, I don't even know how to characterize this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the fact that someone would complain about a new chief coming, and it's going to be interesting to find out when that complaint was. Uh, the city doesn't pay its vendors now. We know that. There's so few vendors that are willing to do work on the come for the city. Um that they have to go through this whole procurement process, and I'm sure that might have been the case with the with the name tag, um, you know, because they don't have a quartermaster system like we had in JP, and you know we had alliances with uniform companies, engravers, and everything else that we were able to, to you know, kind of spit that out as a matter of course with not having to jump any hurdles. I just can't imagine the quality of an individual that would just go in there and file that complaint. I mean, it kind well, of speaks I'm volumes. The complaint about, was an anonymous complaint. You know, of course it so, is, because yeah, there's yeah. no one stupid enough to associate their name to that complaint. They would be the laughing stock of any legitimate uh, agency or you know business entity. I mean, especially if the timing is right after she started. Right after Miss um, Kirkpatrick started work, Chief Kirkpatrick started working for the NOPD. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. Right. And you know, and it's the same thing with the with the other complaint. I mean, do they really believe we're bringing in somebody to be a change agent? That literally, what she's saying is, is that I will I will not ever make any transfers, or you know, there may not be any in the first ninety days. Uh, you know, I mean, I think what what I took from what she said is that I'm not going to come in and for the sake of change, just change everything. Right. And I'm, they're not going to exactly. be wholesale, wholesale changes in the first 90 days. One would have to be a fool. And I'm sure they are some within the ranks of the NOPD to believe that that would not occur. I mean, it's almost embarrassing to the rank and file of the department that they actually have people that would lay awake nights thinking about ha filing these types of complaints. I mean, I, I, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I, I share your, your, your feelings on this, but I've also been doing this long enough to realize that, you know, this is uh, not something that I'm totally shocked by. Yes, I'm disappointed, but I mean, I've seen this type of behavior, you know, for decades in the city uh, with respect, not just to the police department, but other city agencies and, and whatnot. So, you know, the little that I've, I've met and interacted with Ann Kirkpatrick, every time I meet with her, I leave that meeting more impressed with her leadership abilities and more confident that she is the right person for the right job at the right time. Uh, my impressions are that she will not be deterred. If this was these complaints were intended to slow her down or back her down, I don't believe that uh, they're, they're, I think the people that file these complaints are going to be disappointed. Uh, you know, she knows one speed, and that's full speed. 
Uh, I found her to act with integrity uh, and sincerity in everything that she's doing. And I believe that these complaints, uh, you know, are, are, have little to no merit in them. They may be technical in nature. I think it may be a misinterpretation of what she said and what she meant in this. And I don't believe that, uh, that they will be sustained. But, you know, this is unfortunately not the first and probably the last time we're going to see uh, petty politics play out within the, uh, the police department. And I'm not implying that this is the case here, but what if she comes across something that is completely, totally foreign to her, a waste of resources, is of no value to improving the organization? Uh, she has to wait the 90 days before she's able to take action? I mean, what idiot would believe that that is, in fact, the case? <laughs> I, right. mean, I mean, I would be disappointed in Chief Kirkpatrick if she didn't take the immediate action necessary to remedy that situation, as, as opposed to saying, well, I made this, you know, overarching uh, statement before the council and others that I wasn't going to do anything in the first 90 days. What, are you kidding All right. Me? So she has <laughs> to hit the ground running. And yeah. she hasn't stopped running since she hit the ground as superintendent. Yeah, I mean, as this texter says, sounds like these complaints are out of spite and trying to cause trouble for uh, Ann Kirkpatrick to get her out for their people to take over. And, I mean, you know, the backdrop to this is that status quo is not acceptable, right? Uh, we can't tolerate the status quo any longer. Uh, that was the whole uh, reason and motivation for you, myself, and many others that said we need to think about going outside the department. It's hard to be the change agent when you're the beneficiary of the culture of the very department uh, and the position that you hold. Um, exactly. It, it, exactly. This is not rocket, not rocket science, but but here we are. We'll, right. we'll play in these petty games. I don't I don't typically say this, but it's so so petty. I, if somebody really knows who who filed these complaints, it'd be nice for them to reveal it, <laughs> so that we can all know them to be the idiot that they are. <laughs> I mean, I just yeah. right. Oh right. man. I mean, so I mean, this is this is just you know, I think a uh, a futile attempt to uh, throw some mud on yeah. the superintendent. I think they've miscalculated. It's not, and it's not going to alter the trajectory of her vision for leading the police department forward. Yeah. Anonymous complaint. Love it. Rafi, thank yeah. you so much uh, for uh, bringing context uh, to this issue. I know the listening audience uh, appreciates it, and we certainly do. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Bye-bye. It's Raphael Goyneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You know, one surefire way to to ensure that there's less money to spend on the NOPD, less money for pay raises, less money for equipment, less money for technology to be deployed is to engage in the silliness that we just heard from uh, that Raphael Goyeneche expounded on relative to these complaints uh, against Chief Ern and Kirkpatrick. The necessity to go out and, and hire someone or even just to go and have the OIG have to go through the expense of doing this, it, it, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, I understand the Public Integrity Bureau not wanting to do it. It's part of what we learned in the aftermath of the Mayor LaToya Cantrell uh, VAPI complaints, uh, that it's very difficult um, and they wanted and they had a desire to avoid uh, the appearances of a conflict uh, relative to these complaints against the leadership uh, in the NOPD. It just kind of exhibits the pettiness uh, that's going on. And, 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 you know, know with some certainty that this came from within because a lot of the activities that they're complaining about, nobody else would really know about it. The general public wouldn't know about it. So it has to be somebody within this organization. And, and really, they uh, have exhibited the childish nature and, and the extent that they'll go to to try and disrupt the improvement process of this organization. You find folks that are cogs in the wheels of, of, of an organization all the time, and Good leaders have to figure out who they are and root them out. Uh, and that's just the nature of the beast. You can't be an 80% player. I used to say this all the time to the men and women of the JPSO. you either 100% in or go find another job. I don't have the time, the energy, the patience to manage 80% players. If you don't believe in the mission and vision, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing a disservice to your peers, and you're doing a disservice to the organization and the citizens of the city of New Orleans. Move on. You're expendable. You're the center of no universe. If a name tag violation is really under your skin of someone new to the department, and I, I, I'm almost going to bet that she didn't have the name tag yet, what's the deal? Obviously, you're not a 100% player. You're distracted, and you're now trying to distract and deflect and, you know, and, and engage in counterattacks of change within this organization. And, folks, i got to tell you, we should not tolerate this. And if this continues, we should support the council in what they're doing, support the OIG, get through these issues, and find out who these people are. And not let them or allow them to disrupt improvement of the most critical activity that there is in the city of New Orleans, the enforcement 
of laws. Folks, when we come back after the top of the news break, uh, we will uh, visit with Matt Wolf, VP of Communications over at GNO Inc., and we'll talk about a number of issues throughout the metropolitan area. And in the back half of the 11 o'clock hour, we'll speak with Courtney Durham-Shane, Senior Officer of Conservation Support for Pew Charitable Trust. Back, stay with us. This is Newell on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 